Welcome to Jaipur Bites, the JLF podcast. I'm your host, Lakshtata. What you're about to hear is part of the Voices of Faith series for JLF Brave New Worlds, presented by the Kamini and Vindi Banga Family Trust. Inspirations from Kabir, Purshottam Agarwal in conversation with Kavita Sharma. कुछ कही न जाए गूंगे केरी सरकरा बैठे मुस्काए दैट मीन्स यू नो यू कैनॉट एक्सप्रेस इट यू कैन ओनली फील द स्वीटनेस ऑफ इट यू कैंट डिस्क्राइब इट And you know, रू रू से महसूस करो प्यार को प्यार ही रहने दो इसे नाम ना दो सो आई यू नो द मोर यू डेल्व इन टू कबीर द मोर यू कैन ओनली फील हिम एक्सपीरियंस हिम एंड परहेप्स दैट्स द बेस्ट आई थिंक लास्ट टाइम वी हैड अ कॉन्वर्सेशन ऑन कबीर वॉज वेन आई हैड ऑर्गेनाइज द कबीर फेस्टिवल एट द इंडिया इंटरनेशनल सेंटर टूगेदर विदीर मानी Yeah. and then of course you came to my university to talk on padmavat and jayasi so um uh now having read your book i want to raise a couple of uh, academic questions to begin with before we start reciting poetry which the temptation is very strong to do that now there are several issues that you have raised which are vital to scholarship in india and i am using the word scholarship and not literary scholarship because you know we perhaps what you're trying to say is we still we, we have a colonized mind and so we keep we keep going to western sources of scholarship and western uh, ideas western theories and then we try to we try to fit it all into our own you know and i had a very vivid experience of that when i stumbled upon really stumbled upon hazrat shah waliullah library in pahari imli and if you remember we got an exhibition done i got an mm-hmm. exhibition done and and it's a treasure trove but not many scholars indian scholars don't go there i find a lot of western scholars traje up to that so can you then throw some light on the intermeshing of modernity colonialism so called post colonialism and indian scholarship in kabir in indian languages again we forget about indian languages when we start studying even indian texts for ourselves so um, what you call deshaj in your book so can you throw some light on that <clears throat> thank you kavita ji and uh, thank you jlf team thank you sanjay for uh, giving me this opportunity and particularly talking with a person who i respect in many ways uh, even outside this uh, conversation so kavita ji as you know you have raised a question which is really vital and uh, quite complex but to just give you one example the problem which uh, i feel so deeply and so urgently when i did my phd on kabir 
that was I started working in 79 and I think submitted my thesis in 84 or something. So as it happens, the first chapter was the review of literature. Kabir ke adhyan ki samasya. And in that, according to that young PhD scholar, Prashotam Agrawal, the first person to write something worth noticing on Kabir was some British officer writing in 1806. And that's all. When I really engaged with Kabir, and uh, thank God I did not publish my thesis, in spite of a lot of uh, persuasion from my supervisor, the late Nambar Singh and my publisher Raj Kamal, I withhold, withheld it. <clears throat> and my work on Kabir was published only in 2009, on which Nambar ji quipped while launching the book, now I know that in 1836, forget about the so-called medieval or early modern period. In 1836, Puran Sahib in Madhya Pradesh writes a tika on Kabir. It's a fascinating reading of Kabir. You need not agree with it. But in the first place, he imagines four moks. Gurmukh, Maya Mukh, Jeev Mukh, and all that. So whatever he finds okay, just like a modern or other postmodern critic, whatever is okay is Gurmukh, authentic. Whatever is not acceptable to Puran Sahib is not Gurmukh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he reads Bijak as a kind of conversation. See, he does not read Bijak as a singular voice. Hmm. He says that Sahib has put many views in Bijak. He says that he has put many views, many perspectives, and we have to identify which is the real perspective of Kabir. Yeah. And this book was written in 1836. Yeah. And it was quote unquote, as I use the expression in my book, it was printed later on, but it was published in what I call public sphere of bhakti and caused a lot of controversy. The more famous tika of Kabir, that is uh, the king of Kaswi, uh, sorry, king of Riva, Vishnath Pratap Singh, was actually a rejoinder to this book. And it's a very powerful polemical rejoinder, this Vishnath Singh Dev tika. Now I know many other such works, and even before Puran Sai. So when we work in our university setting, we invariably go to so-called modern, in India it means European, yeah. sources. So somebody writing in English or somebody called De La Tomba, translating part of Kabir in 17th century or 18th century, becomes noticeable. Puran Sahib, he is mentioned and discussed briefly by Acharya K.M. Sen in his lectures in 1929. Before that, Ayodhya Sumopadhyaya Hariyot takes his notice in 1916. Then Kedarnath Devedi mentions him in 1955, and that's about all. And you have dozens of books on Kabir. Nobody even takes any notice of Puran Sahib. I do not agree with him, I repeat, but I find his reading fascinating. And I, it reminds me of postmodern way of reading things. Sure. Then the polemics between him and Vishnath Singh. So this is the issue which I have tried to address in my book, 
and not only in that book in all my academic work i am yeah. trying to address that issue when i talk of desaj i am talking primarily of vernacular yeah. des bhasha yeah and as i have written in my book and used that scene from film guide as a metaphor ke bolenge kya sanskrit aati ho tab na ya bolenge kya angrezi aati ho tab na kavita ji i think you or anybody would agree any sensible person would agree you cannot understand the dynamics of indian society no it's past and it's present yeah. if you do not respectfully of course critically but if you do not respectfully engage with the vernacular sources yeah but maybe we should stop Punjabi. calling it vernacular sorry to interrupt you i know it is our desh bhasha you know this vernacular is a very loaded i know uh, i know loaded that's why, in fact i would be very grateful if you could really suggest a better expression for desh bhasha in fact in my in my why can't we book, call it desh bhasha only that's precisely what i have done in my english book yes we should call it desh bhasha only so yeah after all in indonesia they call bhasha bhasha no yeah so what's wrong with us yeah certainly so you that's know, the point that's the that's the basic concern in this uh, book or in my research yeah that how do we relate truthfully with the desh bhasha vernacular scholars now so you know the, you've talked about so many points of view that emerge in kabir right and they are seen as contradictory and somebody tries to exclude them and somebody tries to include them and you know everyone is fitting kabir as you rightly point out into their own theory of what they perceive and however they build it up but i think you made a very vital point that we forget you know we talk of oh this is the medieval age as if it's a dark age but you you talk about the modernity of kabir's times and how uh, the society was willing to accept yeah different modes of thought articulation and even behavior there was no issue on that the issue is what we find as issues you know we have created the binaries of hindu muslim uh, you know uh, the thing uh, nirgun sagun i mean after all these are only steps i'll, 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 I'll just tell you something very interesting sanjay mentioned that kabir was raised by muslim parents now this idea of kabir being raised by muslim parents born not being their biological son it's not a false or true is one thing but this idea is not older than 18th century yeah before 18th century all sources you see kabir has been mentioned in persian sources particularly in davistani majahid mubas sahar writes in detail about him kabir has been mentioned in so many vernacular sources and not only in hindi in marathi in telugu in bengali and assamia there are lot of controversies as you mentioned there are two things on every sources unanimous one he was born to muslim parents muslim not parents. brought up and his guru was ramanand yeah these two things are absolutely consensual in so called pre modern scholars yeah it's a comment in itself that he is a muslim he is born a muslim he is a disciple of ramanand before that he has been with some sufis with nathpantis and all that tantrics but finally he settles as disciple of ramanand again a very interrogative disciple mm. very independent minded disciple not a follower in that sense not a bhakt at all in that sense but he is a muslim it is only in 18th century that we find references that well he was born to someone else he was born to a 
Brahmin widow and all that. So this was the time. Secondly, there are it's fascinable these days to say that Kabir was marginalized and all that Brahminical society. Well, it was a Brahminical society, but Kabir and Tukaram were certainly not marginalized. Yeah. Very simple logic, everyday logic. If you are marginalized, you are not persecuted. Nobody bothers about your views. Nobody would like to kill you. Nobody would go to Sikandar Lodi and complain against you if you are really marginalized. Well, all your Bhakti Kal poets were not marginalized in the sense that we use the term today. I mean, they may have not come from a, they did not come from a Brahminical setup, but they were not marginalized. They were certainly not. You know? Certainly not. The other very interesting thing, which I think in our times we have learned to decry for, again, we won't go into it, we don't have the time for it. But you know, the relationship of modernity and of business and of craft. Yeah, exactly. I think that's a very important thing. And if you actually, if my understanding it could be wrong, if you go to Gandhi, in his in his idea of uh, education, yeah. he was trying to do the same thing. He was trying to bring craft into it and said you should be self-sufficient right at the beginning. Of course, we dumped it for all kinds of reasons. But this idea that modernity is related to expanding trade and skill. Today, what are we doing? Skill and business. Right? This is what was happening in 16th century. See, not only that. Basically, if you look at, for example, this is very peculiar in India. Quite interestingly, many people uh, criticized the book or uh, condemned the book, in fact, I would say, for arguing that uh, Kabir was very popular and influential amongst trading communities. That's right. And I get the historical evidence. I mean, yeah. Dharamdas was a trader. Dharamdas yeah. was a merchant. And uh, the early Kabir Mats were established in the towns which had uh, quite a, you know, trading and uh, merchant mercantile activities going on. And Kasvi people tend to forget Banaras is not merely a religious center. For thousands of years, it has yeah. been a great center of commerce and trade. Yeah. So anyway, so some people went to the extent of saying that you are creating a Baniya Kabir because you are a Baniya. <laughs> well, I can't help it. I did not ask God to make me a Baniya or Brahmin. That's for him to answer. But I find it very interesting, especially when it comes from the left circles. In the history of Europe, you credit mercantile activities for challenging the feudal setup. Right. It's the rise of commerce which creates conditions for Magna Carta. It's the right of rise of commerce which creates conditions for Renaissance, then early modernity, then enlightenment. It's the commercial and mercantile classes which raise the banner of revolt against the feudal setup. But in India, if you mention commerce and trade and the importance oh of uh, mercantile communities or mercantile activities, then if unfortunately, if you have to, if you happen to carry the surname Agarwal, then you are doing this because you are a Baniya. Well, I have you, also the surname of one surname yeah, is Agarwal. <laughs> so this, is, this is quite ridiculous. Yeah. It's very simple. If you look at history in any, any, any history of any society, Kartaji, the very act of commerce forces you against your will yeah. to discard the prejudices. Suppose you hate Muslims. Suppose, let us say, or you hate Hindus on the, from the <laughs> other side. But if 
the commodity which you are trading in is produced better by a muslim craftsman like the sarees being a good baniya where would you go like the sarees <laughs> where would you go so the very nature of commerce forces you to at least suspend your prejudices and that is why the rise of commerce the spread of commerce leads to the questioning of feudal setup that and is, i that think that's why world. that's why it has broken the barriers of gender yeah religion caste exactly. because you are trading so you have got to trade with everybody yeah but now in kabir you know he says he talks about woman huh? and there is a contradiction there because he says woman is the source of all evil the sexuality of women has pre- yeah. created a problem everywhere um i don't know why it's actually the men who should be a problem not the sexuality of women but any but he talks about that however in his poetry in his poetry he is always uh, a woman who is addressing god as the beloved as you know i have written two chapters on this theme in my book and my argument or rather my query precisely was this this is a strange paradox i have written in the chapter i will let me just remind you ke kabir se ye pucha jana chahiye कि अगर नारी सचमुच नरक का द्वार है तो आप अपने राम को नरक में क्यों घसीट रहे हैं? <laughs> <laughs> मैंने लिखा है उसमें सो इट्स अ वेरी स्ट्रेंज पैराडॉक्स बट इट इज देयर एंड आई फाइंड इट वेरी इंटरेस्टिंग अगेन दैट यू लुक एट अंदाल यू लुक एट अक्का महादेवी और यू लुक एट मीराबाई आई मीन दर्ड आर्ग्यूमेंट विच इज गिवन इन डिफेंस ऑफ कबीर दैट इट इज नॉट कंडेमनेशन ऑफ वोमेन बट इट इज दंडेमनेशन ऑफ सेक्सुअल डिजायर or a device to control or regulate the sexual desire so again i have written in this book that of course women also must be having sexual desire sure and none of them are found condemning men male sex as such none of them is found i mean mirabai refers to alludes to particular rana who is tormenting her yeah yeah he does not say that all men are like that so yeah. i completely agree with you that it's the problem with men Huh. but what makes kabir interesting in this sense kavita ji mm. that kabir and not only kabir the entire nirgun bhakti tradition mm. starting from kabir coming down up to paltudas and riya sahib in the 19th century they have this paradox in some degree or the other mm. on the other hand sagun bhakts they do not bother to adopt the persona of women yeah tulsidas never bothers to adopt the persona oh, tulsidas is very critical of women Nee, nee, of course he is but even <laughs> in his moments of uh, yeah. uh, bhakti he does not become ram ki dulhaniya or guria uh, and all but that. kabir is mere sahab ki unchi atariya nayanjuri me laga dagre whenever he has to express his love for his lord yeah 99.9% occasions he would become a woman yeah in poetry so you know he he takes the persona and you know it's very sensuous poetry Yeah, of course it is. It's very sensuous poetry. Very sensuous. You know, I pulled them out. I we don't have time today, but I used to sing it. It is so sensuous a poetry, you know, that I got it. Uh, you know, ragon me dhal ke, I was to gaya karti thi. So charcha chale surat birhan ka and all these dulaniya gaavo mangal char. You are talking of sensuous. Sab koi kahe tumhari nari, moko kachu sandehe. एक में कहे सेज ना सोवे तब लग कैसा नहीं 
So this is a clear rejection of romantic notion of love. Yeah. This is a very very palpable physical love. Yes. Ek meek hai sevjana sove tabla ke samne bhi. And there, are, of course, he is very sensuous when he writes these poems. When he writes these, but you have you have in your selections not put them in. Why not? What? You haven't put your put all these. Uh, no, no, they, it's there. Yes. I at the end find... of the book, no, no. At the end of the book, huh. I made a very very short selection. Hardly yes. For thirty or forty. I minutes. I think you need to strengthen this aspect of. Yeah, it. yeah, that I can do. But these poems are there. Very yeah. much there. The Even other thing that you talk about is that this part I particularly like. Bala mau hamare ke hire. Yeah. Urvin dukhiya de hire. It's there. Yeah. So now uh, you talk about uh, Sufi poets who take on the persona of a woman, and then, but you also talk of, and I'm very intrigued by this. Who are the Sufi poets who look at God as a woman? You see, this whole I do not agree with that reading, but tradition in the tradition, within even within the Sufi tradition, uh -huh. uh, the tradition of Tajkiraj, for example, Padmavat was mentioned. Yeah. Padmavati has been read precisely as that. Oh. Padmavati represents God. Padmavati yeah. represents Brahma. Ratan Sen represents Sadak. Mm. So this has been the tradition. In <clears throat> so <clears throat> in this, God becomes a kind of woman. God yeah. becomes female. So oh, okay. So, for example, I, again, I do not agree with that. See, I, I don't agree with it. That's why I, I asked you that I, question. I do not. No, no. I am saying I do not think that Padmavat is a Sufi allegory. Yeah. But this is the common view. This is the generally yeah. accepted view. And in that Sufi allegory, God is represented by a female character. Uh -huh. That is Padmavat. And this is true of most of the Sufi poetry. Yeah, in Kabir, you know, everyone talks about Kabir very realistic, very um, like a desert cacti. You know, in his bluntness about death, about wasting time here, about the uh, about the hypocrisies of all clergy, whether it is Muslim clergy or whether it is uh, uh, Hindu clergy. But this Shringar, very few people talk about the rasa. Yeah, because there are two reasons for that. One, people are confused about it uh -huh. because they don't understand how to handle this paradox. Yeah. So some of them end up condemning Kabir. Yeah. Some of them end up defending him. Yeah. My position is very simple: that I am a Kabir scholar. I am not an advocate of Kabir. Right. I am not a Kabir scholar. I am a scholar. I love him as a poet. I enjoy reading his poetry. I enjoy working on him and other Nirmal poets or Bhakti poetry as such. But it does not mean that I surrender my own independent evaluation and assessment. Sure. And for example, his didactic statements about women, I absolutely unambiguously re reject. Mm. No question of explanation, no question of rationalization. So this is one reason that people are not very clear in their own mind about these things. Second and more important from a literary point of view. Unfortunately, Kavitaji, Kabir has been not read as a poet. Yes, Both you continuously say that. Huh? People have read him as a poet. Many people have, and many people have the Kavi, Kavi. But if you read between the lines, if you read the scholars seriously and closely, you will find that his poetry, as if it's just an instrument for, for him to well for making some larger point. Huh. Philosophy, in, critical in comments place, on society. In the first place, I find this quite a funny situation. Yeah. 
Because I think poetry in itself is a larger thing. So to think that poetry is only a medium of social criticism or medium of putting your view forward, fine. But poetry is not only about that. Kabir has not been read, read as a poet. He has been read as a social reformer, as a revolutionary uh, leader or whatever. Yeah. With the exception of, I mean, scholars like Linda Hess, who read him primarily as a poet and wrote a, a beautiful introduction to translation of his Bijak. If you read someone as a poet, then you read with different expectations. You read him or her with expectations of entering your own soul in a way. Sure. You also read the poet with acceptance of paradoxes and contradictions. Yeah. Because poet deals with, as you mentioned, Russ. So there are nine research. That's right. Poet is expected to deal with so many emotions, so many sentiments. And so you do not expect that kind of, you know, that yeah. kind of flat consistency. That's what I was saying. Everybody tries to tell his philosophy and only that part of his philosophy which agrees with their part of the yeah. philosophy. Their thirdly, word. thirdly, as I have written in my book, poet, if a genuine and honest poet, struggles with himself or herself in the poetry itself. If you are a didactician, if you are giving some upadesh, then you will first think, have you clarity of your ideas, then only you will speak or you will write. Poet gets to the clarity, if at all, yeah. not necessarily always, through the poet, poetry itself. Yeah. So when you read a Dayanand Saraswati, for that matter, or a Vivekanand, or even a Mahatma Gandhi, you have a different experience from the one which you might be having reading Kabir or Mukti Bodh or Tukaram or anybody. Yeah. Well, I'm, we're running out of time, but I am very interested in the fact that you have talked about the Oparachna yes, aspect yeah. of Kabir. Yeah. Because Kabir became so, so, um, how shall I say, it? so much a part of the people that on the same ground that he was on, they started to create their own dohas. And you see that in Banaras all the time. Yeah, it's a very poignant situation. And also for those who completely insist on written text, yes. authenticity, it's quite a funny situation also. Because some of his most famous and mm -hmm. most adored poems are not found in any collection whatsoever. You were saying, Moko kaha re bande. Yes, it's not there. I, I was so, <laughs> you know, when I first read it, I said, how can that be? We all sing it as Kabir. There are 20 poems. My friend David Lorenzen has worked on this and he has written a beautiful essay. You must read it. 20 ah, most popular songs of Kabir. Okay. These 20 most popular songs of Kabir are preserved only in oral tradition. Mm. They are not found in any old manuscript. Yes. Neither in Adi Granth. I've read that nor article. In, nor in Dadupanthi tradition, nor yeah. in Bijak tradition. Yeah. I mean, but how can you say that Moko Kahan Pundere Bande is not Kabir? And Jini Jini Bini Chadaria. I mean, the whole world sings it as Kabir. That is why I coined that expression Oprachana. Yes. People have accepted them as Kabir. Yeah. And they are Kabir so far as that is concerned. You see, but again, I think 
we forget that we have a very strong oral tradition. Yeah, that's I mean, awesome. I do, I, I write on Mahabharat. Yeah. And the kind of oral tradition there is, when you when you would reduce something to writing, maybe today you have to reduce it in writing, but maybe I think the digital format once again opens up the oral tradition. Yes, quite right. Quite you know? right. So I call the digital format a democratization of our tradition because now you can you can add on, you can hear, you can hear so many different um, right. versions right. of, of right. you know. So it's very exciting because the and I, I was very fascinated by this term Uprachna. Yeah. And really shocked to find that two of the most well-known things. <laughs> I know. I read I read David Lorenzo's article also yeah. <laughs> on that. Okay, I know they uh, they must be saying that we, uh, we you and I we keep talking Kabir. Yeah, why is Kabir so important for us today? Why should we talk about Kabir? I'll tell you. So that I think is very important. One, for one particular poem from Kabir. That I think is the best answer to this question. In this poem, the poet is struggling with the fact that how do I perceive the ultimate reality? Mm. How do I look at it? How do I relate with this? The ultimate reality. So the poem goes like this. Bahar bhitar to If I say that ultimate reality, you call it Brahm, you call it God, you call it Prakriti or whatever. If I say that it is only outside me, or sorry, if you say that it is only within inside me, inside me, huh? then what is outside? Then you are actually embarrassing. Denying the existence of outside. Mm. So, bhitar kahon to jag mein laje. Bahar kahon to jhootha lo. Mm. If I were to say that this is only outside, then what do I feel within me? Because I feel constantly connected. Yeah. I feel a constant interaction with outside. I do not exist uh, in a kind of isolation. Uh, yeah, only inside. Main kehi vidhi kathon gambhira lo. The poet is asking himself. How do I say this profound truth? If I say it is outside, it is wrong. If I say it is within, it is wrong. So how do I say this? So Kavitaji, Bhitar Bahar Sabad Nirantar So the profundity of truth is this, that it exists. It is situated in the constant interaction of inside and outside. So since we are talking of taking inspiration, so the simple thing is that you can neither ignore your inner world, yeah. which is called spiritual or whatever, the kind of mystic experience or mystic feelings, nor you can ignore the social Yes, you cannot ignore either of these. Yeah. You cannot say that spirituality is bakwas nonsense. And you cannot say that uh, we are so spiritual that we are hardly bothered about uh, society. That not, is not that bolta, huh? Yes. So yes. you have to understand that this lies in the constant interaction. That's right. This is and that goes beyond. I mean, I really want to say this, the kind of environment we live in. Yeah, that yeah. it goes beyond yeah, yeah. Uh, our religious divides, it goes yeah, beyond our caste divides, of it goes beyond our gender divides. Absolutely. You know, so uh, 
if see, you listen, have this, if you can perceive this interaction between see, 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 and see, this is very simple. To my mind, I have written in my one of my essays, Sahitya Parakaya Praveski Vidyaya. Lekha ke liye bhi, paatha ke liye bhi. And this is actually a kind of echo of the famous Narsi Mehta song. Vaisanav janto tere kaiye je peer parai jaan. Love, apni peera to sab jaanti. No point. Not only as an individual Kavita ji, I read this, I read Narsi Mehta slightly in a different way. Not only as an individual, but as a social unit. I am a man, 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 I am I relate with them, I empathize with them. So this is the crux of bhakti sensibility that you have to relate with the other and you have to understand that neither the spiritual is uh, they are not mutually exclusive no? they are not mutually exclusive I mean their journey is from outside to inside and inside to outside it, it, no? it, 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 constant it. journey that goes on happening. Thank you for listening to Jaipur Bites the JLF podcast I'm your host, Lakshtata. This podcast is produced by Launchora in association with Teamwork Arts. Please subscribe or follow to this show wherever you're listening to this.